The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. Under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has shall be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, yet when it is grown, or when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but um, privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord, and it is for our good. Now, Father, we thank you that the grass withers And the flower falls, but the word of the Lord stands forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, global security is on everyone's mind. I don't know about you, but I find it still to be quite surreal to think that the actions of one man has put so much at risk. And uh, trying to have my ear to the ground, I realize people are frustrated and rightly concerned about the state of the world and how that, of course, impacts our lives uh, day to day. But as we have been trying to already tell you this morning in a number of ways, uh, we as Christians are to be light that shines in the darkness of doubt and fear. And we do that best when we remember that we are always safe in the kingdom of God. We are always safe in the kingdom of God. I came across that phrase a few years ago when I was listening to a sermon by a good friend of mine, a pastor in Montreal. And he had been reading uh, Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard, who is now with the Lord, uh, was... um, professor of philosophy at uh, UCLA, but had written 
many volumes uh, helping Christians gain confidence in their understanding of the kingdom of God. I have tried to use that phrase often in our 12 at 12 prayer times to remind us that we are always safe in the kingdom of God. And the point that of today's sermon is to encourage us to see how the kingdom of God grows and how we are to participate in it. Uh, perhaps a quick definition of what the Bible means when it talks about uh, the kingdom of God. And again, Dallas Willard has written and has helped us understand it uh, when he likens it to what he calls the range of our effective will. So we all have a kingdom, or we all may have a queendom, uh, depending on who you are. And we have a certain range that that kingdom reaches. The range of my kingdom reaches to the point where my dog demands something. My eight-pound Yorkie ends my rule. You may think you drive on the Audubon when you're on uh, the North Way, but the range of your effective will is reached when New York's finest says so. The range of our effective will. In other words, we rule up until the moment a power of greater authority ends our rule. As a kid, we loved to play street football, and uh, I, went, uh, I went long, running down the side of the street looking back, and sometime in between when I left the line of scrimmage and I was ready to catch the ball, a utility van had pulled into a place, and as I caught the ball and turned around, the range of my effective will ended. And I dropped the pass and they made fun of me. I mean, <laughs> it was a rough crowd back then. So we all, we get this concept, right? This is what it means. That the Bible teaches that God has created human beings with the ability to rule and reign within spheres. We have given, uh, been given by God, will to exercise. God's kingdom, however, the range of his effective will, knows no limitation or sphere. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, or Jesus uses kingdom language that may sound strange to our ears, we have to remember that there has never been a moment when God's will is not being accomplished. There is no van parked on the side of a street that the will of God runs into and stops it from proceeding. Whatever that van may be. There has never been a moment when God's will was not being accomplished. He rules and reigns over all things with love and with wisdom. And that is very often what we lack, right? In our own kingdom, in our own queendom, we, we lack love or we lack wisdom or we lack power and authority. 
when we think about God's kingdom and the work that God is doing in Christ, we know that we are always safe when we are in his kingdom because the range of his effective will, governed by love and power and wisdom, brings about all of his perfect and holy will. To say that the kingdom of God will have no end is to say that there will never be a moment now or for all eternity in all of heaven and in all of earth and all of things under the earth, if you will, there will never be a moment when things are not working to bring about God's glory and to expand and grow the kingdom of God, the dominion of God. And so if we are in his kingdom, by faith in Jesus Christ, we are always in a place of safety. And as Mark moves us from the parable about the seed and the soil and into these two parables about the kingdom, he is reinforcing then for us this kind of overall presentation of Jesus who has all authority. The one who said, I have authority on earth to forgive sins is the one then who has authority to announce God's kingdom and call people to repentance because the kingdom of heaven indeed is at hand. And it is through Jesus then that all things are going to be made manifest. And so Mark provides for us a transition from the parable which ends properly in verse number 20 to this conversation then taking place in this room with a few unnamed people and then the 12 disciples that Jesus illustrates these things and kind of brings together a teaching moment with this idea of a lamp that shines. You don't put the lamp underneath a bed. You don't hide it, you know, under something because the purpose of the light is uh, to make manifest all things. And so the, the uh, transition is to say then that the seed of God's word that is sown into the life of a person then acts like a light that then makes known all things. And, and we do this all the time. Uh, it may be searching for something or whatever. And isn't it so great now that if you've got one of those smartphone things, that you don't have to go search for a, a flashlight and hope you got batteries now, because there you just got your phone and you do the thing and then you got a light and you can annoy people, shine at their face, whatever. I have found it to be so convenient for me whenever I lose something, which is fairly often. I'm like, well, where is it, Hermione? And I got my lamp. And you know what? When I shine that light, I can either say true or not true. There's nothing neutral there. The light makes manifest. True, not true. There's dirt under there. I better get a broom and clean it. Or I can say, oh, that's not dirt. That's just a shadow. <laughs> Lie to myself, right? No, I don't want to do that, right? So when the word of God makes things known in our lives, we can look at those things and we can say, true, not, not true. In other words, we can have soil that receives and then is changed and transformed, bearing good fruit. Or we can say, no, that's okay, don't want to pay attention. 
and our soil get hard and stony and rocky, the seed gets stolen by whatever takes it away. This is the, the, the transition and kind of uh, further explanation of the parable, which is why in verse number 24, the very familiar ring of pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. Nothing that is secret is going to remain secret. I mean, that's a scary thought. That's a scary thought. Nothing about your heart before God is going to remain secret. The light can shine. The light can show. You can choose to ignore. You can choose to have a stony heart towards that truth. But it will not remain secret. In the same way, uh, nothing will remain secret. When you see it, you respond to it, you obey. Grace measured out, fullness of grace measured out. Your heart receives the word. You begin to walk in greater obedience. You begin to produce good fruit in your life. The encouragement to develop ears that hear now placed within the context of the kingdom of God, the effective range of God's will, starting in verse number 26. And so the point of listening then is, if I think I'm going to bump up against the will of God, God's kingdom, and I'm going to get God turned around to start doing the stuff I need him to do, it's the same, only greater than when I ran into a utility van parked on the side of the road. I promise you, I was a, I was a featherweight kid. That van never knew I hit it. I just fell to the ground. And yet, not only within the church, but certainly outside of the church, people are constantly trying to get God turned around. To push their agenda. Try to force God into some action. And the point of listening then, the point of understanding that things are made known and we have to respond rightly to what is made known is to say then if we're going to find safety in God's kingdom we have to do what Jesus said at the beginning of this gospel repent it's coming Wednesday night and the Lenten talk down at St. James I'm going to talk about repentance not not so much as uh, we might call like an emotional outpouring and sometimes people think like you know the more you cry the louder you cry God will hear more but re repentance, uh, I was reading this morning, in many ways is uh, about uh, learning. It's about understanding. It's about being informed. It's about insight. So Jesus comes as the light of the world. He shines his light. He says, this is what God's kingdom looks like. Suddenly now we have insight. We see God's word showing in our lives. We have insight. The light is shining under the bed. Yeah, those are dust balls. I better get a vacuum. I better get taken care of. And then we take action. We get turned around. Instead of trying to turn God around. And so Jesus says, repent. God's kingdom is at hand. Believe the gospel. Believe the good news. That when you get turned around, God has really good things in store for you. 
you will find yourself safe in the kingdom of God. And this is the place where we can then, you know, work to improve our soil. I, I spent a fair amount of time this last week praying for people who heard the message last week that uh, their soil would improve throughout the week. They would keep thinking about it and they would find, you know, more obedience or they might come to find Jesus in a saving way for the very first time actually become Christians. That the word, when it was sown into their lives, would not fall on, you know, stony, hard ground. Or that it wouldn't, you know, fall on ground and it sprouts up a little bit and then they get distracted with the cares of the world. Stuff got going on. I don't have time for church, whatever. And off they go. And, and I pray this prayer often rooted in Isaiah 55. It's the word of the Lord. It's not going to return empty. God has a purpose for this. But at the same time, I know that we can do things in our lives. God has given us things to do to improve the condition of our soil. The light has been shining. Things have been made manifest. The kingdom of God is within reach. You have been informed. You have been given understanding. What is your response to these things to be? And as we trace this primary message that runs through the entirety of Mark's gospel, we will continually be challenged to say the light is shining, the light is exposing. I either deny the truth or accept the truth. But it remains true. What God says about you, what God says about me. And if we desire to be a church that is truly engaged in the mission of Jesus, and I am so very grateful for how many people I see in our church family engaged in God's mission. So very encouraging. Keep going strong. Keep doing it. God is at work and we are made glad. We have to keep stepping out and doing the work then of faithfully sowing the seed of his word. Sowing it in each other's lives. And sowing it to those that are still outside of God's kingdom. And, you know, it's easy, though, to doubt that anything's happening. And I think that's the, the underlying point, then, of this first parable that begins in verse number 26. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps, he rises night and day, the seed sprouts and grows. He does not know how. He does not know how. And our discouragement very often can be found in it doesn't seem like anything's happening. What Jesus is telling his disciples is that faithfulness is a key response to God's kingdom. Because when the sower goes out to sow, he doesn't know how it grows. He only knows that he is supposed to sow. And then he knows he's supposed to go to sleep because he's tired. And he's supposed to get up the next day. And he's supposed to keep doing and doing that until the harvest comes. Hey, I would be all about gardening. Like, I would be the world's greatest gardener if today I put a seed in the ground, tomorrow I got up and there was some corn, I took it and I ate it. 
and be all over gardening. But the, the sower doesn't know how the seed grows. And this is counterintuitive to human nature. It's especially counterintuitive in the age of information, which we live in. And the church has bitten hard on the fruit that says we are safe when we know everything. We are safe when we got our hands on the wheel. But safety in God's kingdom isn't dependent on what we know. It is wholly dependent on what God knows. God is the one who knows how it grows. God is the one who ordains the harvest. You know, as Jesus sits around the table and talks with his disciples about these things, we should listen carefully to what is being said about the faithful work of planting seed. And not get caught up in judging, why hasn't the seed grown? Why hasn't anything happened? What's going on? What are we doing wrong? What's wrong with us? We faithfully do the work God has given us to do. And then we go to sleep, we rest well. We wake up, we look at the ground, nothing yet, okay, I'm going to keep doing my work well. The man sows the seed, he sleeps, he rises, the seed sprouts eventually to where it grows into a harvest. And when the man is harvesting, he still doesn't know, how did it happen? How did it happen? Think about the first readers of this gospel, somewhere probably 60, 70 AD. The fall of Jerusalem is on the horizon. Nero's reign of terror is getting underway. Christians huddled in these little places, these little gatherings, under duress, under pressure. And they must, they, I, I just, think they must have thought to themselves what's going on <laughs> nothing seems to be happening they go to bed they get up they go to bed they get up they go to bed they get up it grows they don't know how we do not know how Putin's war will be resolved we don't know when the pressures of this war and all of the hardship that is brought, we don't know when it's going to end. All we know is that God knows. All we know is that God's kingdom, his rule and reign, the effective reach of his rule and reign isn't stopped by, by a madman, whoever that madman may be. And in whatever era of time, it may happen. The range of God's effective will will always win out. And if we then are listening with ears that hear and the soil of our life is being cultivated and we are being faithful to do God's work, we are safe within the kingdom of God. So let us not for one moment think it's time to fold up our tables and go home. Instead, let us sow seed by extending ourselves in love one to another in the household of faith. Let us pray for one another. Let us give as we can give. And I know with the cost going up, it challenges so many things in our lives. 
May God help us in all of that. And let me just say, if you have need, let us know. We want to help. Don't be ashamed. Don't say, oh, somebody else has a greater need. Maybe so. Doesn't mean that you don't have a need. If you're able to go to the tree that's been put out there to provide for Andrew and Anna Horning and put in a little gift, whatever that gift may be, please do. If you're able to provide for the benevolent offering today, please do. If you're able to give to the general fund, please do. If you're not able to do any of those things, but your heart is saying, oh God, I wish I could. You get on your knees and pray for us. Let that be your offering. Let your offering be encouragement and help to whoever might need it in whatever way you can give it. Again, if it was up to me, I'd plant seed today and I'd get corn tomorrow. Because I really like corn. <laughs> if it were up to me, I'd preach a sermon today and the place would be full tomorrow. It's God's harvest. The mission of the church is to faithfully sow the seed of God's word, prayerfully wait until the harvest comes. But when that harvest comes, you better have your sickles sharpened up and ready. And let there be no reluctance to collect it. So this, this, this thing of doubt, like nothing's happening. What, what, nothing's happening. What are we doing? Jesus says, you don't know how it grows, but it grows. And, and then we also might be tempted to think that the weapons of our warfare, as Paul calls them, you know, our Christian duties, the means of grace and the hope of glory, isn't really sufficient any longer for the challenge that is out in front of us. The world's too complex. No, it's not. It's not too complex. The weapons of our warfare, the means of grace, of prayer and the word and love and faithfulness are as effective today as they were when they were first granted to the church. We just need to use them. Which is why in this second parable, beginning in verse number 30, that Jesus says, well, what can we compare the kingdom of God with? And, and you know what he does? He says, compare it with something that's very small and insignificant. Now, that's, that's not how campaigns get kicked off, right? I mean, ca campaigns... To rule the world, don't get kicked off with, oh, by the way, we're small and insignificant. <laughs> Campaigns to rule the world get kicked off with, you know, we got an army of 200 million people and an air force and a navy and we're going to come take care of business. Lay down your weapons and live. Or a campaign gets kicked off with millions of dollars in a, in a you know, in a war chest, as they call it, and the politician gets up and he announces his great agenda and all of the stuff that he's going to do and all of the people rally around him and everybody's shouting and waving their, you know, and it's all great. Jesus is in a room with 12 really, you know, like unremarkable men. <laughs> you know, one of them is going to betray him. And he says, well, you know what, the kingdom of God is here and here's what it's like. It's like this little tiny seed you can barely see. And this key truth helps to see that the kingdom is always going from small to large. It is always going from insignificant to significant. If we think 
we are safer by being in a kingdom of our own making that looks so impressive than we buy into the lie that Jesus himself refused to buy into when in the wilderness Satan takes him up and he shows him the kingdoms of the world and he says, here, you can have the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus says, no, I'm only to worship the Lord and only serve him. push for power as a way of protecting our rights ourselves has always been the undoing of the church. And it will always be the undoing of the church. I just completed three different books by three different authors covering a significant period of church history. And the underlying message in each book was very much the same. When the church grabbed power it always lost. When the church was willing to lay itself down and sacrifice and love, it always gained. When we come to this Mark 4, 33 and 34, we begin then to understand that the parables that Jesus spoke were then privately explained to his own disciples. And this, this, this can be a little bit troubling to us, can't it? I mean, I would love to have been in that room. Now, you're you're kind of stuck with me or whoever might be preaching or whatever, and you might think to yourself, well, you know, can't we have Jesus? You know, maybe we'd have more confidence in the kingdom of God if Jesus were the one, you know, that was here, that was here teaching us. Let me remind you something. There's never been a more complete and capable teacher than Jesus Christ. I mean, at age 12, he's wowing the, the, the learned scribes and men in the temple. I mean, he's just killing it. And they're like, wow, who's this kid? You know, what a prodigy. And, and he, there's never been a more capable teacher than Jesus. And yet the disciples, just slow learners. Very slow learners. Sometimes we struggle, like we don't understand the Bible. As much as I've tried to explain this in relationship to the first parable and the light and things being made manifest in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God being this little insignificant thing that grows up, some of us, and myself included at times, are sitting and go like, what does he mean exactly? I mean, if Jesus would just kind of drop down out of heaven and like, well, here's what I meant. And there he goes again. Like we think, oh, that'd be great. It'd be a great church service. You know, Jesus showed up and told us stuff. Uh, so I'm going to do something that I, I don't generally do when I'm preaching text. And that is, I'm going to step out of this text. And I'm going to try to give us some help with that last phrase that he privately taught his disciples or explained to his disciples everything. And that is because I want to remind us that we don't need Jesus to pop down into the room from heaven and explain stuff to us because he has given to us his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has been poured out upon us, and the Spirit of God isn't mentioned in this text, but I think it would be good for me to bring his work into view right now because if we desire to have good soil and we desire to have ears that hear 
and we really want to understand, we need the work of the Holy Spirit to help us understand. And so I want to say, first of all, that the Spirit, the Spirit of God given to the church, is always taking the truth of Jesus and revealing it to us. If you are understanding more about Christ, and you are understanding more about your own life before Jesus, that is the work of the Holy Spirit, taking the Word of God and showing you those things. We are to listen to the Spirit who reveals to us the truth of Jesus. We're to have our ears open. And, and you know, I found it to be an interesting thing uh, in, in this uh, phrase in verse 33. With many such parables as he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Which is to say that in some sense we have limited capacities. As we are able to hear, as we are able to understand. And if you hear a sermon and you go out and you go, I don't get it. And your capacities at that moment are limited. Don't leave that and go like, oh, I'm never going to get it. No. Keep praying, keep working, keep making your soul receptive to the Lord because our capacities to hear and understand certainly can grow. No different than when we teach our little children things. And we, we know they only have the capacities to understand a certain amount of things, but their capacities grow. You and I, because the Spirit of God at work within us, can grow our capacities. So that we begin to produce fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. But let me tell you something else that the Spirit is doing. And that is the Spirit works to break up fallow ground. Ground that gets hardened. And, and, and this, is, this is what is so hard sometimes. It could be like 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, and I'm like, wait, something's wrong. And it's my heart. Like, I, I'm sinning. Oh, wait, I was just in church. I'm being unkind to my wife. I, I, I'm impatient. I'm critical. I'm judgmental. Like, wait, I was just in church. I mean, how long does it take? But if the Spirit is working to keep breaking up the fellow ground and the light keeps continuing to shine... And things are being made manifest and we are now being informed and we have insights that let's follow the insight of God's word and say, yes, spirit, keep breaking up the ground in my life that is becoming hard and difficult so that I receive the blessed word of God. So that I don't run up against the effective range of God's will, but instead say, I want every part of God's will to rule and reign over my life over my fears, over my anxieties, over my worry, whatever it might be. Has your, has your soil been plowed up lately? Has your soil been, been like undone with the rototiller of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God just plowing it up and getting it ready? Well, the third thing the Spirit does, and again, this is not in the text. I'm just giving you this because I think it would be a helpful reminder, is that the Spirit doesn't just upload truth into our minds like you might upload information into a computer. Again, we move from a very large crowd to a small room and a group of people in a small room 
And as they are in that small room, it is an immersed relationship of love. And I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit is always doing that. He's always drawing you into an immersed relationship of love. And here's why that's important. Truth can become cold. Truth can make us cold. Truth can detract us from loving our neighbor as ourselves. We're so bent on truth, we forget that truth without love is, uh, what did Paul call that? Oh, it's, it's worthless. It's worthless. Truth can not only become cold, but it can become incomplete. Because very often, truth leads us to action, and the action it leads us to are acts of love. I mean, if I'm preaching the truth, and I've lived in this truth, and I'm preaching it, and then 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm being unkind to my wife, then the truth has not completed its course. I'm not being loving. And so truth can become cold or icy. It can become incomplete. And it can become incomprehensible. People can look at our lives sometimes and go like, you're a Christian? You? Huh. But the point of the Holy Spirit is to draw us into a deeper relationship of love. Just as the disciples enjoyed with Jesus. And so this idea that, oh, if only we had Jesus here. If Jesus would just drop down and explain everything to us, it'd be great. No, the Holy Spirit of God's been poured out upon us. If you have ears to hear, are you hearing? So yes, global security, the price of fuel for cars, heating oil for homes, the price of food, the price of life in general, going up when will it end how is this all going to work out and we get worried and we forget we are safe in god's kingdom but let me remind you of something for the last week three people in our little region were suddenly tragically taken from this life into the next life A young man, 19 years old, working on the side of the road, hit by a car, died. A young woman, 20 years old, driving her car and for some reason veers, hits a pole and dies. A 67-year-old man, retired school teacher, getting an ice cream cone at Stewart's, walking home, is run over and dies. As I read those stories, I wondered, did any of them think about God when they started their day? Were any of them in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Did, they, did any of them think when they got out of bed in the morning that they would be ushered into eternity before the end of the day? Were any of them safe in God's kingdom? Yes, people are tragically dying in Ukraine. Yes, it is a humanitarian crisis and a financial crisis. And we all are going to be touched by that crisis. But are you safe in God's kingdom? 
if the light has exposed you today and you see yourself as completely vulnerable and unprepared to meet the living God, just remember, you're not guaranteed the next hour, the next half hour, the next 24 hours. You're not guaranteed those things. And if the light of God's word has been shining and exposed things in your life, then I pray that you will see the light, that you will follow the light, that you will give yourself to God's salvation. The future is indeed Jesus Christ because no one else was capable of doing what Jesus did as he opened his own life to the seed of God's word. And in that full obedience, he gave himself to the cross at Calvary so that through his life, we too could have life. Through his death, our sins would be forgiven. And through his resurrection, we, like him, would be raised up into new life. That the darkness of that day was overcome by light. The secrets were made known. It didn't appear anything was happening when the seed went into the ground, and yet it grew. And of course... It didn't look very impressive. And yet it has grown into a large tree, so large, that birds of the air can make nest in its shade. God's love for us is in despite of what he already knows about us. And invites us then into his love. And so let's be encouraged today as we remember that the kingdom of God is indeed growing and it will one day be fully revealed and that the great day of Jesus is indeed upon us and let us then live with faithfulness to the task of scattering seed and then to sleep and get up and sleep and get up and do our work and be ready when the harvest comes. The grain is ripe, and we put our sickle into the ground, and we harvest the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you for your word, and I do pray right now, O oh Lord, for any who have heard it and feel in their life that they lack true preparation, that the light has made something known in their life. Give them courage to respond, I pray respond in prayer and ask you to be their savior, to respond in prayer and to repent of their sins and to call out to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org.